back, guys. This is episode 30 for the Prepared Mindset podcast. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty big accomplishment. Uh, I have Trevor with me. What's up? What's going on, everybody? Yeah, man. Uh, I want to do something fun for our 30th episode. Last time we did movies, you and I did. So, uh, this time, given that the last couple episodes I had talked about stuff like Everyday Carry and... Uh, I just wanted to delve into that more. Uh, something fun, something light for the holidays. I kind of missed the train on the whole, uh, hey, here's the top 10 items for the man in your life. You know, I think everybody did one of those videos or podcasts, and I didn't. So, so would I be considered the special man in your life since you're married and stuff? No, the special man in my life would be my dog, Drake. He's a good boy. No, uh, but what we're going to talk about, <laughs> not that, is... Knives, watches, and bourbon, pretty much in that order. I'm almost positive. I think yes. that's how I got it written down. Okay. I can, I can work with that. Well, I would hope so. That's why I got you here. Um, but first, before we start, uh, this is like a real EDC thing to do, right? So what do you got pocket dump? What are you carrying with you today? Uh, okay. Like so watch, uh, knife. I don't know if you have a gun, flashlight. So I am rocking my Casio G-Shock. Actually, I think you got that for me for Christmas like five years ago. You're welcome. Um, I have this really sweet beaded bracelet that we got from Vegas. I uh, remember those, remember no, those monks when you got stop married? Stop it. Yes, I know. Listen, that, it's a great story. I'm not going to bore everybody with it, but it's a good luck charm. Here, some... I'll bore everybody with it. Hey, there's some con men dressed as Asian monks, and they would bless you with good luck in a shitty wooden bracelet for an indescript amount of money. Ten bucks. Listen, I got one, and I won enough money to cover my spending. Logan got one, and he came back like $1,800 up. Chase literally told those guys to get fucked, and he lost all of his money the first <laughs> afternoon. You hadn't even said I do yet, and he was already borrowing money from Dad. This thing is good luck. Anyways, I have, uh, I have a... Fossil wallet um, with a man card, like a metal bottle opener. Uh -huh. I'm carrying my Glock 43. Got a couple of mag extensions from Hive. And then my pocket knife is this wonderful um, honey badger that your fantastic wife got me for our birthday this year. Um, I mean to pick one of those up. It looks pretty yeah. legit. It's a 8CR13 MOV steel. So, um, nothing crazy, but I mean, that's no, a, it does it's the job. Good, yeah. Kind of intimidating looking. Yeah. You know? I got, I don't have my gun. Well, I mean, there's like. Well, you're in your basement, so there's like eight of them within 10 feet. Exactly. I got, uh, we were just talking about this. This is the Perpetuo, uh, my pocket knife that I got today. Uh, it's a mass drop collaboration with Millet Knives in Idaho. So U.S. made. Uh, it's actually Nitro V Steel, wow. which. Very uh, nice. It's newer. I think it's a higher carbon or something. I haven't really looked into it too much. It cuts great. Um, nah, sounds trendy to me. I mean, it's a decent blade. I enjoyed the like that Warncliffe sheep's foot type shape to it. Oh sure. Um, you know, so uh, I saw it, and it's got the Benchmade calls it their access lock. I don't really support Benchmade because they're kind of anti two A, but they do make some good stuff. The access lock, I want to say, it was either earlier this year or sometime last year. Uh, the patent came up on it so now you're seeing a lot of people you know SOGs doing their own version of it i think cjrb which is like the budget you know, it's wing. funny you mention sog and it happens to be like the sunday before christmas 
I never did get you that tactical tomahawk. I'm not going to. No. No. Anyway. It's a great <laughs> gift. CJRB. I maintain that's a great gift idea. Anyways, uh, there's a thing that's called the recoil lock. CJRB is uh, the budget wing of a company called Artisan Cutlery. Just another knife maker. But um, I have my Andar Apollo. Uh, I think it's an espresso brown, I think is what that's called. I don't know. Ooh, yeah, espresso brown. Not to, not to be confused with Jaco bean, which is an entirely different bean. You look puzzled. That's, you know. Um, a very developed color palette. Don't be jealous. Yeah. And actually, I think that's all I got on me right now. You're not going to watch? You got a timepiece? No, I'm home. I don't even see a clock down here. I got a laptop and a cell phone. Plus, we've been cleaning up for our gathering that's on uh, uh, Christmas Eve, so I didn't want to have any of my stuff on. But fair, yeah, I always keep the knife for. Whatever. So if you had if you had a hundred dollars to go buy a knife today, but you had to find something attainable, you got to walk into like a well, wait a second, Gander Mountain's closed now because they're dead. Um, Cabela's. Cabela's. If you had to go into a Cabela's with a hundred dollars and walk out after tax with a knife. What would you buy? I mean, if it had to be Cabela's, that kind of narrows it down because they only really carry, like, Kershaw and SOG and a couple Columbia River knife and tool, you know, CRKT, whatever. Oh, yes. Um, Crickets. If I... That's the thing, is because in those brands, you really... You hit the $50 mark, and then you don't really get anything a whole lot better until you break 100 bucks. I would say if it had to be a Cabela's because they overcharge, probably be a Kershaw Blur. It's a Ken Onion design. You know, their Speed Safe assisted flip it opener. Oh, sure. Now, yeah. if you could buy something online, dude, your, your, op, your options explode at that point. There's oh, so yeah. many better brands out there. Than For sure. Blade HQ has a ton of stuff under 100. Uh, Blade HQ's got a lot of. Uh, stuff right now good sales too uh knife center even amazon you can get a lot of stuff for under 100 bucks um and if we're talking about knives like really i think that you kind of make those decisions based on what you do every day so like i was talking about the blade shapes i like uh i, I think it's more of just a personal preference because I mean, we both work in finance, so there's really not a need for a huge knife. I mean, you could probably get oh, away no. with, like, I a... I need a tanto blade. Do you know how many envelopes I need to open every day? You can do that with a dull ballpoint pen if you, if you wanted to. I mean, like... Usually I use one of my keys. Yeah. No. So you should get yourself, like, a Swiss Army knife, something like a Victorinox Cadet or something. I could see that. I don't really... So well, we're, if we're talking about knives, I feel like we can't ignore the elephant in the room. What is your experience with toe knives? I know you've seen Always Sunny. Have oh you ever God. actually taken a steak knife no. to the cuticle of your no. foot to try and, you know, tidy up the business down there? Ew. No. Mostly because it's really awkward to try to get down there. I have used a pocket knife for, like, a fingernail, you know, if I got a splinter or something under my nail well, sure. or whatever, or maybe cutting up the edge of my cuticle for those of you who don't watch always sunny frank reynolds he pioneered the toe knife and really a toe knife is a varying design whatever kind of steak knife you can get from the salvation army and it's almost insisted that it's stored between the cushions of your couch it's disgusting just youtube it it's awful i'm not going to get into it here it's terrible i I mean i laughed 
I'm not going to say it wasn't funny, but it's about the furthest thing from a practically uh, applicable EDC knife. What are you talking about? It's serrated. No. No. I mean, what are those? If you're using it on your toe, you really just need something pointy. I mean, it depends on how bad, you know, like the fungi or like any kind of buildup is. I mean, okay. That shit aside. Yeah. So you're talking about... The value of a good pocket knife cannot be overstated. It's it's a necessary, and you'll you'll never realize until you carry one every day mm-hmm. how much you actually use one. Yeah, because you're not using, like you said, your keys to open boxes, to open letters. Like to... I just this afternoon got like the stink eye from the lady friend because every time I take my pocket knife out, okay. like I I kind of dramatize the opening because let's be honest. We're just children that got older. We never actually matured. So I have to make like a show, like some, some pageantry of, of, of opening up my pocket knife. And she just rolls her eyes. She doesn't really like it. She doesn't understand it. Does she, wait, is it because she's afraid of knives and guns in general? Yeah, almost exclusively those things. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Damn liberals taking over the planet. I know. Anyway. But it's okay. 2021. going to be riding with Biden. Everything's going to be great. All your pocket knives, three quarters of an inch or shorter. So utility knife? Yes. So why don't you... Okay, so if you were, let's say, to buy your girlfriend a pocket knife, if you were to try like get her warmed up to the concept... Kershaw Leak. You think so? Yep. It's tiny. Almost feels dainty although it has very solid construction very quality materials it's small enough because she has very tiny little t-rex hands yeah um it she could fill her hand with that and feel confident using it yeah i would almost say that's even a little bit thin but it is if you have smaller hands like i have big hands and i like it it's probably the most um if i were to say like a gentleman carry knife Mm -hmm. that's probably that's what i throw in my pocket if i have something important to go do i have that black one it's like black cerakote and it's a kershaw i have no idea what it is i think you bought it for me uh, but that's like my dress knife because you'd have to show black. it to me i don't know i have a hard enough time keeping track of my knives i don't even remember what i bought you yeah. i i mean the ones that i own i know like the brand i don't really know specifically what they are like mm-hmm. the two spider codes you got me um those are pretty cool i don't know what the heck they are but i know well, one's really a nice. tenacious the one i got you and justin for standing up in the wedding um mm-hmm. and the other one was a christmas gift last year it's a paramilitary too right i knew that yeah which i would honestly we have bigger hands so the paramilitary two is a good choice it's i think like for everyday carry. size for me we have um, big old bear paws yeah but i mean for most people it's on a large side um, I would recommend like the paramilitary three cause it's, I think overall it's about three quarter of an inch shorter. Mm-hmm. The blades only like a quarter inch shorter. Yeah. But it's um, way less intimidating. Honestly, I've been thinking about picking one up just because it's going to be a little bit easier to, to carry, but. And when you get bored of it, just like pass it to me. No. For those of you listening and aren't really aware of the dynamic, I am a master mooch when it comes to EDC, everything. tactical gear. Not everything. Shut it's up. A little bit everything. I a lot of times my plan is the slow play. I wait for Austin to buy something and then get bored of it. And then I'll come over and I will attempt to purchase it at a significant discount from what he paid. Or just wait for him to offer to give it to me. <laughs> 
this is why you haven't been over in two months and haven't bought anything new. There's nothing to replace to give away. Uh, well, it's that and a combination of, like, the Lions winning themselves out of a decent draft pick. I've been crying myself to sleep for weeks now. And that's why you haven't come over? It's a very depressing time. <laughs> um, okay, so let's... We're talking about knives. Talking about, like, the major styles and stuff because I feel like... I feel like that's all stuff people will consider if you're going to look at buying your first knife or maybe even just getting into knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's so much out there, and you, you don't understand it. It's hard to make a good purchase because there's a lot of there's a lot of brands um, that market really well. Like, Kershaw yes. markets really well. And it's not a dig at Kershaw, but... They have you more start, money to throw at it than a lot of these companies. Yeah, volume-wise, they do it a ton because they are they filled like that budget market well right you know what was your first like real pocket knife it was a kershaw yeah um i want to say my first knife my first my first no, no, real no. knife you had that uh i had a soG flash too okay oh the well, first one i bought myself oh god that gerber, that gerber uh airframe or paraframe, airframe two, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Did which you get I at still... Home Depot for like twenty bucks. No, it's a Dunham's, but yeah, it was like twenty bucks, and that thing's awful. Yeah. It's so garbage. I think it's like seven CR thirteen steel or something, or it might be even worse than that. It, it's awful. I it's carried not it a sexy like, knife. It's not. It, I carried it for about two weeks, and that oh, was it. I was like, dude, good. f this. It's huge. It wasn't comfortable to open. Um, but then shortly thereafter, as a Christmas gift, Lexi got me a, um, a SOG Flash 2 or SOG Flash 2. So I kind of moved up pretty quickly after that. And then I think we hit either Valentine's Day or something. I got a, the Kershaw leak, you know, and from there I, you know, the sky was the limit. Yeah. I'm trying to think how there was like a, an actual order to that. I don't think so. I know somewhat shortly thereafter my spider coat tenacious came into the picture but that's uh you know that i mean it's just gone up from there uh so but those are all mostly the same thing right. uh, either a combination of either this liner lock or a frame lock yes now the difference being if it's a frame lock your your locks built into the outside frame of the knife correct if it's a liner lock it's the same thing but you have the scale on the outside uh edge of it so that you're not when you hold the knife and squeeze it um you're not pressing on that detent to uh prevent it from opening up and closing freely yeah i mean that would the one uh, downside to the liner lock for me was just that you're kind of throwing your fingers in front of the blade before you close it but i mean if you have half a brain which if we're talking about me coin flip um you're not going to slice your fingers or nick a knuckle or anything crazy like that. But I know, you know, the old man has talked about, oh, well, you got to throw your fingers in front of the blade there. That doesn't seem very intelligent. Oh but he God. always rocks the, um, what's the old school where it, like, it's got the flip lock? It's a slip joint. It's got a friction lock. That's the only thing holding it open. Yes, that. Well, that's why you don't carry a slip joint if you're going to be doing a lot of plunge cutting. So all you got to do is stab at it at the wrong angle and the thing's going to close down and take off well or at least you know really f up most of your most digits, of your digits. Yeah, yeah that's i don't i don't own a series uh 
Yeah, I don't own a single slip joint knife. Okay. I don't have any of those. I've been thinking about picking one up just because they're less uh, like intimidating to people who don't know anything about knives. Forget that. Well, if, if listen, the whole point of carrying a nice pocket knife is to look cool. I think we can both agree on that. Well, it depends. What was like, the reaction when you went on your recent couple's trip up north oh. and you had a stabby stick? They oh. were all like, ooh, look at the dangerous man with his fancy little knife. No, that was that was because I had the gun. Uh, oh, Jesus. I got in the car, you know, and I carry appendix. Mm-hmm. So I you know, pull my shirt back behind the gun and put the seatbelt on. And I get a couple looks. I'm like, oh, by the way, I have a gun. Is that cool of everybody? Were you going to shoot someone? Well, no, I'm not going to shoot anyone. Damn I it. hate that question. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> I have taken the time to meticulously plan a homicide. But by the way, I'm making all of you involuntary accessories. Yeah, it's it's annoying. Yes, I carry a gun because I plan on shooting someone. No, obviously I'm carrying this because I like to feel cool. And I want to protect myself, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, mostly that second one. Mostly that second one. But feel, but feeling cool is also important. My sense of self-worth needs a lot of help and a lot of propping up. And when it comes to that particular facet, I accept no substitutes. I use my Glock. I do prefer Glock as well. Actually, I was talking to Lexi a couple weeks ago. I think if she replaces her carry gun, it'll be a Glock. I, I gotta... told you that for years. Well, and she you called didn't... me. What was the word? Well, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. It starts it starts with an fanboy. Well, you called me a Glock fanboy. Now, how many do you own? Two. Yeah. Yep. What? No, I mean, okay, I called you a fanboy, though, because you hadn't tried anything else. I had tried other things. I had tried the Smith & Wesson M&Ps. I had tried the Berettas. I had tried H&Ks. I thought, I I like the H&K, but I think it's overpriced European garbage. I would, well, not garbage. They're quality firearms. I do not like the mag release. I do not like the safety, and I'm not going to pay $1,200 for that. Well, what I was was going to say is, uh, for, for the price point, right, is the quality you're getting really that much better than a Glock no. or a Smith & Wesson or even I don't uh, the SIG P320? Probably not. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad gun. It really isn't. Same thing like a Walther. I, yeah. But you pay for the name. Walther's a good gun. It's just, you know, and I remember going to Field & Stream and talking to one of the salesmen and asking him to field strip um, the Walther. And oh he had an incredibly difficult time breaking down that gun. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if it's this hard to field strip, how hard is it going to be to clean it? How hard is it going to be to clear a jam? And when I voice these concerns, oh, yeah, because when you're in the middle of a gunfight, that's what you're going to do. You're going to field strip your weapon. Okay, smartass. I didn't <laughs> say I was going to do that, but I would like to be able to clear the weapon with a reasonable amount of ease. You would like just, to. I mean, I get it. You're not going to, well, typically you wouldn't have to field strip it. Well, the Glock is a blue-collar man's gun. It's reliable, not necessarily pretty, and it's like the Lego of 9mm handguns. It's got accessories coming out of everywhere. I prefer to use the term, yeah, but like the the Toyota Camry. Oh, sure. It lasts forever, never goes out of style. Oh, that's the Honda Civic you're referring to. Whatever. You get the point. I do. Aftermarket support coming out. Oh, yeah, it's insane. Um, But, yeah. So, uh, I don't really carry a slip joint. Um, it's more, like I said, it's low key. But uh, you also have the access lock. If you look at basically any Benchmade design, 
uh, really, really good idea. Very good for one-handed opening and closing. The one downfall, though, is the Omega spring that sits in there that holds the tension. Mm-hmm. I've... I've never heard of one wearing out. I assume because it's a spring at some point yeah. you could wear one out or you could break one. I don't think it gets that much use and it's put under that much like torsional stress that it's going to wear that out. I it would be years, right? It would be tens of years I mean, for something I would like that. So, yeah. Um compression now, lock mm-hmm. like the what you have in your paramilitary too where you squeeze the back of it in that way mm-hmm. when you go to flick it closed, your fingers aren't over the you know, opening for the blade to close on. Right. Which I like, but it's more expensive. So you really only see, honestly, that I know of, it, I think Spyderco does it. I don't know of any other companies. I'm not saying that's not, they're not out there. Right. But that's the only one that I know of. I think they might have another one or two models that feature it, but they're all yeah. over a hundred bucks, closer to one fifty, two hundred dollars And that's, but the, and those are for super high end knives. I oh, mean, that's if you're somebody who's end. just, that's like, mid high end for or high middle end for basic production knives right but you get the people and you know who i'm talking about who want to walk into like walmart and spend 12 to 15 dollars on their pocket knife and that's all they're gonna that's all they want to spend and they think it's the greatest thing in the world well and i mean i mean if you're using it yeah if if you're using it for utility purposes i.e box cutter Mm -hmm. letter opener etc yeah a sharp piece of metal will do you that's fine but i mean if you do just a little bit farther you know 30 40 50 dollars you know you spent that money that knife is going to last you forever it's probably going to be made of a quality steel that's going to hold that edge for a hell of a lot longer you're going to look so much cooler and it's not going to rust. It's not going to well, corrode. It's not going to break down. The worst thing you'll have to do is pull it out of your pocket and maybe blow the 3.5 ounces of pocket lint out uh, of it every once and again. So, but yeah, and that's a good point because blade steel is honestly more often than not, that's what you pay for, right? Because I think that as things are developing technologically or, or whatever, we're having more advancements. You're seeing patents run out, whatever. You're starting right. to see a lot more offered right. what you pay for is your blade steel so like mm-hmm. you were talking about with uh your honey badger mm-hmm. is the the 8cr 13 mov which is uh it's a mild steel it's yeah not... it's it's not bad it's not super low end it's not crappy uh but it's also not anything super fancy the 8cr or the 7 cr uh, series os 8 uh 440c they're all more affordable steels because they're, they're softer. Yeah. They're going to hold less of an edge, or they'll hold well, an edge for less time. Right, uh, but that also means it's going to be easier to sharpen. So that's if you don't true. have a problem, if you use your knife a lot and you don't have a problem sharpening it a lot, that's I love sharpening my knife. I sit down in front of my electric fireplace and I sit there with a sharpening stone, full spit, and just circle that bad boy Stop. away. Stop! Oh, I saw it in a movie once. Does that not work? Anyway, um, it's an, uh, like a half step up from that would be like uh, 14C28N, mm-hmm. uh, similar to the ones we just talked about. It's a little better on the edge retention and corrosion resistance, uh, you know, still easy to sharpen, slightly less carbon in it. Uh, and honestly, I think people kind of get their panties in a wad over that, you know, or, mm-hmm. or knife people like, oh, if it's not, you know, D2, then it's not worth my time. Well, I mean, you are starting it's to a see a little bougie. Well, you're starting to see a lot more knives that come out in the D2 steel, which is um, a little bit more durable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like we just said, the flip-flop's a little bit harder to sharpen. 
But what a lot of people may not realize with D2 is the corrosion resistance is not as good. So if you're, you know, uh, working in the elements or yeah, it's getting wet and everything. Yeah, that blade's gonna rust. So that's something to consider. Like I like D2, but again, I work in an office. I'm not beating the hell out of my knives and everything. It's not a big deal for me. But you know, and that's the thing. If you are gonna be beating the piss out of your knives, maybe it is good to go cheaper. Yeah, you're gonna buy them more often, but you know, you're gonna have a a decent blade. You don't have to worry about it. Um, Like I was saying, yeah, D2. um, It's starting to be more common in your budget brands like Civivi, which is the budget line of uh, Wee Knives, Chinese knife maker. Uh, they use Chinesium in those, don't they? Oh, yeah. Premium Chinesium. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Stronger than steel. It is steel. But it's better. Right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, I had a Civivi Elementum. Um, I gifted it to a friend, and he's very happy with it. I unfortunately am not happy with that decision. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that I got him is really his first like real pocket knife because I think what he had before was one of those like Bear Grylls edition Gerber knives Ew. that wasn't yeah it wasn't anything that Tell special. Tell me he didn't pay real money for one of those. It was in pretty rough shape when I got it. I'd say he got his twenty dollars out of it. Um, but you know, uh, he volunteered to drive on this long road trip, and I was like, hey man, here this. You know, you were eyeing this at the knife shop that we stopped at. Um, actually, on this road trip to northern Michigan, we went to uh, a place called Way of Knife. It's a EDC, knife and ED shop uh, just outside the main drag of downtown Traverse City. Really, really cool place. And he was eyeballing a Civivi Elementum. And when he asked about seeing it, the guy pulled it on him and was like, oh, uh, this is actually for an internet order. I don't even know why this is still in the case. Sorry. I'm like, man, that's kind of shitty i mean i get it but still kind of shitty so we got home you know i had one and it wasn't carrying it a lot at that time because a little it's just a little bit smaller than what i like mm-hmm. so you know man here thank you for driving you're one of my good friends here's a good knife everybody needs a good blade it's true it's you know. true i mean if i'm not at work because there are stupid oppressive policies stop me from carrying i almost always have one in my pocket yeah, no, I do too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a D2 steel is a good one. Uh, it's using a lot of tools. Um, and like I said, it was coming into a lot of these budget brands. You are starting to see it a lot more. Uh, yeah. You know, given the choice between that and like one of the 8CR steels or whatever, I'd probably go with the D2. But if you yeah. go. I mean, do you really need D2 in an everyday carry pocket knife, though? I mean, I understand that you might want it. But let's be honest, again, most of us are just using it for daily little tasks or no, um, I don't, idiosyncrasies I don't around the house or the shop or whatever. So whether you want a, what is it, a sheep's foot or you want a tanto or whatever blade design, whatever steel type, I mean, it's not like many people out there are making a living with their stabby stick. They're, they're probably carrying it just for utility's yeah, sake. Yeah, I mean, and it's not going to make the difference you're not going to notice a drastic difference unless you're again you're well versed in this and at that point you're having a different conversation right right um but if you even go a step up something like uh vg10 or 154 cm uh my endura my spider co endura that comes with the vg10 that's a sexy knife 
huge. I remember I pulled it out at Friendsgiving last year, and somebody asked me why I brought the sword to the party. It, like, it is a little on the large side, it's, but it's I intimidating. appreciate it. I um, it's a nice upper mid-range blade steel. It has good edge retention and corrosion resistance, uh, easy to sharpen. It's kind of one of those things that does everything pretty well when you're looking at blade steels, but it's not right. particularly great. It just at, doesn't do... Yeah. yeah. Um, when you get up into like you know S30V, S35VN, more premium... Uh, it's hard to find those under hundred bucks. Like that's that's what the paramilitary two is in, uh, and that's a premium blade steel as yeah. far as I'm concerned, or most people are concerned. Uh, it's an improvement over like the VG10 in every category, just a little bit nicer. Um, if I'm gonna be spending around hundred dollars so, on a knife, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. It's okay. like S30V. So what if I were looking for like what Crocodile Dundee would carry? Where would you Stop recommend? It. Stop it. <laughs> Why? Do you really want a fixed blade that looks that large? Hell yeah. Or that is that large? Yeah. Where, oh, well, I'm sorry. What was your question? Where would I go about finding one of those? <laughs> blade HQ. I feel uh, one of the guys who's one of the hosts on Knife Banter, Kurt, he's really into all those big, stupid-looking machete-type knives. Um, At what point do you get past the machete and you're officially a Bowie knife? Bowie's a blade shape, so technically yeah, like one width, could be the other. At what width does one stop becoming a Bowie knife and become a machete or vice versa? Do you know? Nope. Nope. I've never – this may shock you, but here in suburban-ass southeast Michigan, I don't find myself needing machete very often, so I've never actually had to deal with that question. Yeah. Do you own one of the Rambo-style knives no. that they sell at uh, Harbor Freight? Ew, no. A knife that big for 15 bucks just screams cheaply made. Don't yeah, you think? it's really cool. It probably has a compass built into the hilt. It might. Why don't you own one? I'm not man enough for that. I'm too Hollywood for that kind of knife. I need something with smoother lines. That's that's a very intense knife, but it's it's not sexy enough for me. Yeah... I mean, there is a sex appeal to a lot of this stuff. I mean, I feel there like you is. look for certain things when you're getting ready to buy a knife. Granted, you haven't bought yourself a knife in forever. I've. It's true, but it's because you and your wife keep me in very nice pocket knives every holiday. Yeah, well, the jig's up, mister. This year, you're getting something cheap. Underwear? What? For a pocket knife. Oh, right. <laughs> what's, uh, what's that rook? Rake? Yeah. No, I'm one. talking cheaper. Oh, cheaper! Wow, your standards have really gone down in 2020. Yeah, pandemic like hit you hard. Nine ninety nine San Renmu copy of a Sabenza with like four forty C steel. Listen, I know that the intent of these remarks is to hurt me, but I'll love it the same. I will <laughs> because it's from you. Okay, so speaking of that, um, if we're talking like like let's talk like quality, reliable brands, right? Sure. Um, quality and reliability are as all with. Pretty much everything, it's uh, relative to the price point you're willing to spend. You, you get what you pay for, yeah. So one person's affordable is someone else's premium. Uh, yes. I mean, I think we could probably both agree mm, most of the stuff from Kershaw is budget. not. It's budget line. It's it entry-level budget line. You well, know. Kershaw in itself is the budget line. Their premium line is ZT, Zero Tolerance Knives. Uh, which actually 
they still use that same um, assisted opening, the speed safe okay. on a lot of their knives. Sam I, has I enjoy one. that. Uh, I you know what I don't anymore. I used to really look for that because I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I, it's like the poor man's switchblade. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, you're you're true, uh, but I kind of like the uh, folders on bearings and washers now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd rather have a flipper or a front flipper, or you know, uh, Spydercos have the hole so you can spidey flick. What it. What is that disgusting flipper that you ordered? It's just it has like a cleaver style blade. Oh, and that's like a Warncliffe style blade. It's the Kershaw a- Deadline. I hate that knife. I'm not crazy about it myself, but I really wanted something with a Warncliffe at the time, and that one was like $27 on Amazon, so the price was right. It's got a deep carry clip. I carried it for a couple months before I bought something else again. I hate that knife. That was when I was in my budget knife phase. I despise that knife. I I don't like the handle. I don't like the blade design. I don't like the opening mechanism. I think the grip on it is repugnant. I just... There, no, no. Well, I mean, that's there's not the, one redeeming quality about that knife, other than the fact that it will cut things. Well, I mean, and I think that's kind of the point, though, right? I mean, uh, like a lot of things, based off of people's appearances, choices, and knives like that, it just is a deeply individual choice. It's so a personal choice. Yeah, for whatever yeah. style says about. I mean, okay, so you don't know like a ton about knives but you know enough about Next knives. To nothing, so like yeah. you see somebody at a party mm-hmm. like yeah here i'll open that bag of ice they pull out their knife and it's one of those gas station pieces of shit that's a it's like a harley davidson with a fold-out blade i'm also going to assume there's either copenhagen or skull in his back pocket yeah i mean probably okay so that's one thing that kills me as people buy those knives from the gas station for like 15 or 20 bucks and i'm like dude you can do so much better for that money. For the, for the money? Yeah, that you, money you can, can be allocated so much better like a, for a better uh, quality blade. So like uh, Ontario Rat 2, just a simple folder. Yeah. comes in Aus 8 steel. You can find them 25 bucks, and it's going to be yeah. way better purchase for the long haul. Right. And some of these knives, for the money, actually come with limited lifetime warranties. I mean, not like the blade, but if the handle gives way, some of them will replace them for you. Or yeah, the clips well, break. I mean, yeah, once you get... I don't know if, like, the Kershaw stuff... Uh, it might have a limited lifetime, like, on yeah. manufa- manufacturer defects. I had a knife, a leather le- Leatherman. It was a Leatherman pocket knife. Not the pocket tool, but a pocket knife. Oh, yeah, I, I think that. Justin still has that. I don't know why he ended up with it, but he definitely still has it. Um, the pocket clip got all bent, all wonky, and I emailed them, and they actually sent me a clip for free with the new hardware and everything, with the, the little screws oh, yeah. with Loctite and everything on you pretty much, You pretty much have to in today's market like the customer service piece is starting to be so crucial in mm-hmm. in everything because if you don't i guess unless you're one of like the top end brands there's that next person waiting there to take your market share and all it takes is one real good customer service screw up to start that downhill snowball it's true the word of mouth carries a lot faster when it's negative well and now we got social media and oh, everything yes. electronic communication is way more prominent now google reviews yeah. will kill you well and even stuff like uh like i joined the the discord server for yeah. best damn edc so it's just mass discussion a lot of this stuff and once you get that negative like you said that negative commentary out in the open especially in the communities like that where that you derive all of your revenue 
you could lose a lot if it's bad. Yeah, it could be detrimental. Extremely. Um, but, like, yeah, so Kershaw's a good entry one. Um, CRKT, I think you used to have one of their M16 line. I think you gave it to our younger brother. Yes. Um, yeah. But they that was, like, their flagship line. They got a couple different sizes, and, like, there's, a, like, 170 different versions when you look at mm-hmm. finishes and blade styles and stuff. Block styles. They yeah. make a lot of cool stuff that isn't really at a premium price. It's very function-driven. They're a good brand. Good people. Yeah, I like CRKT. I actually I have one of their minimalist uh, fixed blades on the way. It's in a Tonto. Oh, very so cool. I'm excited to check that out. Uh, I've also been looking at, I want to say it's the Tuna and the Overland. So when, with these fixed blades, are these going on your carrier? Is this like a, something you're going to carry on your belt? Or is it Probably like by the nightstand? Belt. Okay. This one, well, this one's so tiny, it's going on my belt. Just, I'm going to give it a shot. And if I don't like it, I already had somebody offer to buy it from me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, one of the guys in the Discord uh, server offered to buy it. How do you like, feel about push daggers? Um, Kind of against it. Okay. Just because I don't think there's a real good way to carry it effectively. The closest thing I would recommend to that is like a K-Bar TDI. Oh, those are cool. I, it's okay. I like those. I play with yours all the time, but I don't own them myself. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Listen, let me get through this. Uh, okay, so Kershaw, CRKT, um, Rake is another brand that you mentioned. So good. It's really the one knife that I've had experiences with, and I think that's probably their best offering. It's like 30 bucks or something. Are you tired of that yet? Did what? What? Am I tired of it yet? Is I don't know. That's a great question. Are you? Are you waiting for me to gift it to you? I mean, I would never ask, but if you're tired of it. I am not. I'm actually not. Okay. Um, right. I'll the, check back the, in six months. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the, the P801. Yeah. Is, uh, some people called it, like, the poor man's Sabenza. Because uh, the Chris Reeve Sabenza, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't have $450 laying around to buy a pocket Oh, knife. I do. Yeah, you going to buy one? Uh, hard pass. Mortgage is due in, like, a week. So, yeah. Um, Civivi we talked about. Ontario. Best Tech is another good one. That doesn't really, they don't get a lot of love. I can't remember who their, like, parent company is, but they're a a budget line for somebody else, I think. Uh, Buck Knives. But those, that's a lot of, like, your, they do a lot of, like, your granddad's folder, you know, backlock knives and stuff. Uh, The the Buck 110 is one of the only ones I'm really familiar with. It's a pretty decent knife if you're not looking at anything flashy, maybe for hunting. Uh, and then Gerber. Gerber's starting to... Gerber makes some good stuff. They're starting to really get out there in pocket knives, and I think they're starting to figure some stuff out. I know they had some issues for a while. Their well, actual... Like quality control? Um, they had just design issues. They had, like, a couple, like... They, they noticed the trend with, like, pocket cleavers, that style of pocket knife. Yeah. Um, and there were just some design flaws. Like, they had one of the cutout holes for using a, your finger or whatever like to open it. hole with their take on it. Yeah, but it was way too close to the pivot point, so it was really difficult to open, um, which they've since revised and fixed on the, I think it's the flat iron. Uh, you know, they just had some, the fastball, some stuff like that that just really didn't, it wasn't very well received. So they're starting to roll some new stuff out. They're starting to figure some things out. Their multi-tools have always been oh, rock solid, you know, yeah. really good. And they do have a good warranty, just like... Uh, Leatherman does, you know, they'll take care of you on that. Uh, but if you look at, um, if you're looking for like a good 
reliable daily knife. Like, let's say you're not looking to collect like twenty of these things or thirty, Don't whatever. You have a whole toolbox for yours. Yes, um, but to be fair, I only really carry the eight or nine that are sitting upstairs. But if you're looking for a knife that you want to just replace your daily driver and you want something reliable that you can just grab every day and not really have to worry about it for a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. You know, probably looking at something like Spyderco, Benchmade, uh, Boker, Kaiser. Uh, if you really start getting up there, Hogue, Emerson, Protec. If you like an auto, Protec makes some really cool looking autos, but you're going to pay like 250 or more. Um, it's just the quality. And I believe they're all American-made. I think that's really part of it. Uh, Push-button auto with good quality titanium handles and stuff. I mean, unfortunately, you just got to pay for the quality. There's not really a workaround. There isn't. Yeah, you go cheap, you're going to get something cheap. Well, and you kind of play that game, right, where you you can kind of list things out and say, well, I'm willing to sacrifice on either the opening method or maybe I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit on the blade steel and you can kind of work the price down a little bit. Right. Uh, but I've talked about it before. Kind of compromise on some things. Yeah. Mm. But I think I, I've talked about it before. If you want something and you talk yourself down and make a compromise, eventually you're probably just going to come back and spend that money. Not necessarily on everything, but a lot of time it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll settle for this $50 knife instead of the $120 one. And then a year later, you're spending that $120 on that knife because that's really what you were after ultimately. Yeah, that's what I did several times with a lot of things. Yes. Um, that's kind of how I live my life. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've done it with a lot of gear. It's I spent a lot of money that I didn't need to. Yeah, you, you only live once, right? YOLO? <laughs> Shut up. I can't believe. Uh, okay, so if you had to make a recommendation for a couple of different needs, let's do two. Your pick for like a gentleman's knife and then your pick for just an everyday carry knife that lives without most constraints. Everyday carry, right off the rip, I got to say a spider coat tenacious. Not super expensive, but it's never disappointed me for anything that I've needed it for. And I've used it for stuff as menial as opening envelopes and boxes. I've also used it to screw in uh, a couple of bolts or screws before. I mean, it's, it's a personal knife. It's made that is not steel. the prescribed use of that tool. I know, but I'm like MacGyver, and I use it for what I need it for. Okay. Now, as far as a gentleman's knife, um, I really want to say like a stiletto-style knife. Ew. With, like, pearl grips. I just feel like that's classy. It's clean. It's sexy. It belongs like, in the Godfather. That's, okay. That's not a good choice. That's not a good choice. I, I, I respectfully disagree with you, but those are my picks, and I am sitting sitting by them. I don't really know what brand would make a stiletto like an automatic opener, but uh, um, I would love one. Kershaw does, actually. One of the launch series. They had up to number 11, but one of them looks like that. It's a push-button automatic. I'm for it. Yes, please. I feel like if you see it, you might you might feel a little bit differently. But you have an automatic knife. Do I? Yeah. Oh, my OTF yeah. out the front. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a cheap forty dollar knife. Yeah, but it looks cool. It's an eye catcher. It's a conversation piece, as it were. No thanks. People I've... see that and they're like, "Wow, can you make it shoot across the room?" Because everybody has seen way too many movies. Yeah, no, you can't actually. The springs in those are incredibly weak. I think I showed you. You hold it up against a piece of paper and go to deploy the blade. Yeah. It'll knock the that piece of paper. 
I mean, you'll pierce it, but it'll knock the blade off the track, and you'll have to grab it and pop it back out onto the track. Hmm. It's really stupid. It's disappointing. It's not a, yeah. My um, opinion remains, and so I defer to you, sir. <laughs> I guess, yeah, for like a regular EDC blade, something just to do like your, your daily work with, your daily tasks, um, I'd probably go with, honestly, a Civivi Elementum. I don't own one anymore, but given the size, uh, the quality of the parts and everything, uh, and now they're starting to get kind of almost like this cult following, so you can get different blades, different scale materials. You can find all sorts of different things. I would say yeah. uh, the City of Elementum, and for a gentleman's knife, uh, you know, a lot of people online are talking about, like, the CRKT CEO. It's really th- too thin for my liking. Um, I would probably stay with my Kershaw leak. I would probably get it in some kind of different configuration, maybe a different color or something, maybe like black instead of, uh, the sandblasted or whatever stainless that it comes in. Nice. Um, but that'd be my pick, honestly. Uh, I just, I don't really dress up in suits that much anymore, especially since I'm working from home all the time. So I don't, oh, I do it all the time. Well, yeah, you do, because you guys are still going in the building, yeah. but for me, I just haven't found myself hashtag in the, the 2020, hashtag COVID life, hashtag can't stop, refuses to stop. Yeah, all that. Man, you're still in the branches. Are you guys, you guys are closed to the public? Uh, we're appointment only right now, so I still see customers every day, just like a very limited number. So, oh, you are open? Yeah. If oh. you wanted to come in. We can set an appointment. It's kind of annoying. Most stuff we can take through, like the drive-through, or we can figure stuff out. But uh, if you really need, if it's something you need to come in for, we can accommodate. We just got to make sure we mask up, glove up, sanitize. Yeah, yeah, that whole chestnut. Well, hopefully you don't have to do like any of that this week. It's the, you know. um, I'm hoping that people are going to be cool and they're going to stay too. home because it's <laughs> Christmas too. week. Because they'd really love to sit around and get paid to do not much. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, we're so busy right now. I'll be working my tail off regardless of what we're doing my week won't be that busy i don't think i hope it's not that busy it better not be that busy that's why people don't like you why because you're working from home on an average day how many hours of hulu and netflix would you say you consume oh like lately yeah not much at all i've actually been very busy i'm working on two separate projects and stuff if it's higher than zero during the workday, i'm still jealous well, I work from home, so... I want to work from home. It's cool for, like, the first two months. That just gets really lonely all the time. Even the dog doesn't want to hang out with me. Mm. I mean... Okay. Anyway. Moving on to watches, which I think is something that we both know, like, a little bit about. And we enjoy, but mostly for financial reasons, we haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Because... Let's face it. I mean, it's really easy to spend four or five hundred dollars on like a middle of the road watch and mm-hmm. still have a lot of room to improve on it. Yes. Um, you know, I'm just. I think we're both just fans. You want a decent, quality, reliable timepiece. Something, something that's gonna that looks look good. good. Yeah. Clean, classic looking. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it, again, it's a pretty individual choice. You know, we both own. I don't know. 10 or 12 knives that we kind of rotate through um i own like six knives watches oh you said knives Um, that's my bad watches oh geez 
three, six, nine, twelve. I, I'm like thirteen or fourteen watches. Yeah, yeah. Um, a handful. Anything ranging from some no-name thing that I don't know where I got it to I have a Citizen Echo Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everything kind of in between. That's I, one of my top two. If you're talking about just like overall expense and everything, um, my Nighthawk WR200 that uh, Lexi got me as a wedding gift. That's very the cool. Echo Drive. Yeah. Honestly, I, I know a lot of people don't love Citizen. I really like mine. I have I two. I have no complaints about my Citizen. But it's not my daily driver. It's like a special occasions watch. My daily driver is a Bulova um, because I got it for free from winning a contest at work. And it actually yeah. tells you what day it is, not just the date. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty beat up from about nine years of coming into the office with me every day. Yeah, I think... No, if I have a daily driver, it's uh, probably the G-Shock, honestly, because I don't have to dress up for anything anymore. The G-Shock is my weekend warrior, 100%. If I'm doing projects around the house or I'm going to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whatever. Which, honestly, I I think people kind of undervalue it. You know, I get it because the whole, hey, Justin Bieber wears this, and that's where it kind of took off. I think think, uh, G-Shock, that was more the Jersey Shore. Well, maybe. I like it. A lot of people swear by them for the durability. You know, like you're talking about, you can kind of beat them up a bit. It mm-hmm. doesn't really affect it. Right. Um, I really like, I have uh, two or three different fossils. Uh, actually, got, yeah, a few of those. the one automatic that I have is a relic, which is another. I do have a couple of relics. And it's what, that's that's a sub-company of fossil, right? Yes. I don't think they started out that way, but no, I think they got they purchased. Were... Relic was like a Kohl's exclusive brand for a while. Was and it? And then Fossil kind of ended up buying them to be like their budget brand. I don't even, you know what, honestly, I've been the Fossil time, sorry, the Fossil store a couple times. You can't, you don't find Relic in the Fossil store anymore. No, you can't. There's like that table on the back that has all like the rubber um, wristbands. Yeah, that's, that's those. Um, I mean, they're like the $20 and under selection. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the one that I have, but yeah. I haven't really gone out of my way, you know, looking for another one. Sure. Um, Why would you? You know, you've got nicer things. Well, right. That's, uh, I think the nicest one I have is my Movado, honestly. Yeah, that's still on my to buy list. I was just going to say, I know you've wanted one for a while, and I only yeah, got one I, because uh, Lexi found it on, like, clearance sale at a local, is there Home Goods or, like, a Marshalls or TJ Maxx, something like that? She got it for like under two hundred bucks, and I think I bought her a bowl of a. That was our first. Wasn't your first wedding anniversary or something? No, no, no. That was way before that. It was, it was, a, it was sweetest day. We bought them as early oh, yeah. sweetest day gifts. I remember because we watched the Super Bowl, and then you and I had to shovel her car out because there's that insane snowstorm. Oh yeah, she got stuck. Yeah, that was actually pretty rough. Um, I remember because the next day, neither of us were going to go into the office, and then both our bosses ended up like blowing up like our hounding us to come in because they didn't want to. Essentially, right. I remember you specifically made up every reason in the world why she couldn't make it in at the time, yeah. and I was like, "Just tell her you can't make it. If she can't, why should you be expected to?" But no, I, I agree with that. We just... both ended up making it in. It's kind of a miserable, stupid, slow day. I'm like, why do you need me here? But um, anyway. Yeah, I think uh, next on my list might be like a Seiko. Mm-hmm. I have my eye on a couple of those. They're nothing crazy special to write home about, but they got you know a, a good, clean aesthetic to them. They're reliable. 
They are. Yeah. Um, I just kind of feel like people associate them with like Sears or something. Um, yeah. I mean, they're like the higher end part of Sears, but you see them in like Macy's and stuff too. You know, um, honestly, I think they're, they're decent knives, knives, decent watches. Uh, I think they kind of stick to one look and they just do that a lot. Yeah. It's a little one dimensional from, from what I've seen. Um, I'm actually really big on like square faced watches, but nobody does it anymore. I think it's a very eighties look that kind yeah, of Yeah, I hate dated. square face watches. Oh, I I found the only one I own. I found it fossil. It was like twenty six bucks because it was in the clearance bin and like also marked down fifty percent. But it's a self winder as well. And it has this really, really nice like cherry brown leather. Yeah. Um no, no. Square face, uh uh-uh. uh. It's like a lady's watch or something. I hate her. But, Anyways, um, okay. So, like, if you talk about a band, what's your preference? Like, uh, I can, can do either, but I prefer metal. I do. I do prefer the bracelet. And one of the things I was listening to uh, the Whiskey Knife Fight podcast, they make a pretty good point. If you're gonna buy any of these watches, you know, whatever, you're gonna invest a hundred or two hundred dollars in it. Just get it with the bracelet. It's so easy to go out and find a quality aftermarket leather or canvas band, but you're going to really pay to find the bracelet that goes with that watch. If you ever try to resell it on the secondary market or anything, it's just going to yep. be a huge pain. Because you can imagine trying to reach out to citizens or, hell, even like Timex or something. Like, hey, can you guys just send me uh, the bracelet that not, goes with this? That fossil that you got me? Yeah, I still have not been able to fix the band on it because it's a discontinued model because it's how many years old. It, yeah, it's impossible to find a bracelet. I can I can get a leather band for it if I want, and I've considered mm-hmm. doing that. But getting the actual bracelet repaired or replaced, it's proprietary parts from Fossil, and it's next to impossible. Right. Yeah. It, it, it kind so, of I mean, at some out. point, you should probably just suck it up and put a leather band on it. I'm probably going to. I forget that I have it, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I was doing like the, you know, that tunnel dance that people do at weddings. Yeah, I was doing that, and oh, I kind of threw my hands up, and the watch went flying. You know, everybody like God. makes their arms into an arch, and then yeah, yeah I know what on. you're talking about. Yeah, okay, dude, God, what? I've, it was I a good time. Say, I've never had a watch just fly off my wrist. You must have been eight kinds of drunk. I was uh, very intoxicated. This is true. Um, but I mean, you know, I haven't actually, I haven't bought a watch in a while. I think I'm kind of due. But again, it's, I just, I like how mm-hmm. personal it is. You know, uh, stylistically, I guess, okay, you're going to know what I'm talking about when I say this too, is you can read so much about a person's personality just by looking at their watch. I'll guarantee Not not necessarily if they wear one or not, because that is really, it can go either way. Mm -hmm. But when you see somebody, you go out for some kind of, like a social event, it doesn't have to be a wedding. Maybe it is a wedding though. And you look at their timepiece, you can tell, I mean... A relative income bracket, which doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, it could, but it doesn't. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, if they got one of these chachi stupid watches, like, oh, oh yeah, check like out one my of the new big old ti- boat anchors. Well, yeah, dude, those. Okay, and, and I'm guilty. I actually found it while I was cleaning out my nightstand yesterday. Uh, I own an Invicta, but they're really guilty of having ultra thick, ultra big watches, um, and it's always, you know. Hey, this is an $800 watch marked down to $46.99. And yeah. it's like, well, 
what's wrong with it? No, this is just a ridiculous sale all the time. Like, mm, is it really, or no. is your watch just it's not low quality it. materials? Uh, I mean, it's not bad, but it's no. just not anything crazy. But or like the one that's specifically coming to mind, we have the same friend who has this uh, all wooden made uh, wristwatch, and oh, he thinks geez. it's the nicest, coolest thing that's. And I'll give you that's unique. I just don't see the allure to it. It seems cheap to me. It seems kitschy, cool. It's uh, like a niche thing, like a hipster thing. It's just not. I'm more into that, like, timeless aesthetic. You know, the classical looks that, you know, not like anything gold and gaudy, like, that looks like 1987 screaming at you. But you know, like that that clean cut look, that that business professional conservative kind of yeah. Look. And I, I I feel you on that, and I I definitely think some people get carried away with like the, uh, uh, with the uh, the big faces, the the like the chronograph, and you can see all the inner workings, or you get the weird goofy uh, hands on it that are bent and stuff, or it lights up and does a different goofy shit. You know, or God forbid, the ones that are like video game themed. I don't, I can't take anybody seriously who's an adult, anyways, who's wearing one of those. And uh, again, I think I think you come back to the same friend that does all of these things. Yeah, well, everybody's got that one—the guy who wants to look super fancy and look like he's um, of means without spending more than thirty dollars at a pop. And you know, and that's not to say that you can't find items like that. You know, watches like that 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 fit in that. 30 to 50 dollar range that do look decent oh for sure i mean uh he just doesn't have really an eye for talent if you would <laughs> well i mean i'm thinking like timex timex yeah. is really good at at looking more expensive than it is and so you see it's a timex you know which is hey fine good yeah find your place in the market I mean, yeah, not everybody has 200 dollars to throw at a timepiece no hey i completely agree uh i just so i mean but if that's how you're going to approach it, mm-hmm. you should also, in the same token, not be the guy walking around going, hey, check out my new timepiece. Look how sick this is. And, you know, hey, well, cool. I got this self-winding relic. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay, but that, that band looks like shit. Uh, well, thanks, bro. I think your whole watch looks like shit. No, this is sick. Okay, well, I think mine looks good. Like, why you got to talk it's trash, true. you know? I just, I hate that. Well, because people like that generally usually don't have anything else like that's the thing they're clinging to yeah i guess and that's kind of you let it go right you just yeah, it's not worth it, the but, argument but it's still like hey man just because that's what you like cool this is what i like like why well, gotta be a dick about it but um okay grail watch who your grail watch if you could go out and get I mean, I, I don't know if you have a specific model you want no, or a specific really. brand, but um, it's it's the it's a Movado. I want a silver Movado with the black face, the single diamond at twelve o'clock. Um, yeah. The last time I got promoted, I said I was going to go buy one, and then I just couldn't justify the price tag to myself. So the next time I get promoted, I made um, uh, the lady friend promise that she would all but hold a gun to my head and make me go make that purchase, go buy that because you should. It was something I've been pining over for like you kinda seven, have eight, to. eight years. Yeah, you, and, you have to with yeah. those achievements, right? Yeah, you know, stuff that doesn't come around very often. Just go pull the trigger on something. Because, I mean, they're always running sales. And, yeah. 
Yeah. See, the Movado I have wouldn't work with a bracelet. It wouldn't look good. I just have a regular black leather band, mm-hmm. um, which I like. It's clean. It's very clean. Um, it's, it's elegant. It's less bulky. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, if I got another one, I'd probably look for a bracelet. But for me, yeah. man, I really want to tag. Ooh, a tag. Yeah. Are you there a tag or a tag? Uh, either a tag or a Brightling. Oh, Brightling. I like it. Now, but then you, you look into those watches and it's like, how many months of mortgage payments am I going to forego oh, to buy that timepiece? No, like, am I, I going to look good? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to actually probably tilt my wrist a little bit more when I'm walking a certain way, just so it affords people the opportunity to see that I have a tag. Uh-huh. Um, but then every time I think about it, I'm going to get this sinking feeling in my gut. Like, wow, I could have shaved a half a year off my mortgage. But instead, I have a watch. No, I mean, you can get a tag for like 1000 1200 I was going to say like the high 900s if it's on sale. You can get it for under 1000 Unfortunately, sales tax is a thing, so we're back to 1000 <sighs> I know. Yeah. I know. That's that's like, a, that's like a lottery watch. Like if I win the lottery, it doesn't really matter the amount. If I have like an mm. indiscriminate amount of money that isn't earmarked and it yeah. has, you know. Or if I get one on maybe like the secondary market, if I got a good deal on it. But yeah. I'm I'm really I'm not afraid necessarily of the secondary market. I just am afraid of my lack of knowledge for the secondary market. For me, watches are like underwear. I don't reuse. I want to be you the flip I, them inside out. <laughs> wow, wow! <laughs> you are a dirty, dirty man. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's um, joking. Um. Does your wife know that you do that? She does my laundry. Of course she does. She wonders how those awful stains get on both sides. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I would also... I mean, okay, your everybody wife. Everybody says that they would love a Rolex. Yeah. I mean, I would I would if I could afford one, but... Sure. Uh, I'd also really like an Omega. Omega makes some pretty sharp-looking ones. I don't know. Tag is kind of the pinnacle for me. Past that, I really don't think there's any point in spending more money. Yeah, I, yeah, I could, I could see myself, maybe, maybe like my fortieth birthday, I could see myself just buying like a tag, you know, making that one stupid purchase. For sure. I don't think I could ever see myself spending to five, me, five grand on a roll on a buy, used Rolex. Buying a Rolex to me is like buying a Ferrari when a Corvette will do. Yeah, we well, slightly different conversation, but I mean a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. Like when are you really going to get over 200 miles an hour? Do you really need that? How hard is it to service a Lamborghini? Well, I can't actually fit into either of those cars, so I don't really find myself you wrote a, that. You've ridden in a Ferrari before. We fit four people in a convertible Ferrari before, and that was quite the experience. Okay. Four people in a convertible Ferrari California in like, uh, no, was it November or something? Yeah, it was cold as fuck outside, and but you did it because <laughs> you were in a Ferrari. Oh yeah, yeah. I was not about to not ride in the Ferrari, so. And now it's just a really stupid story. It was like forty something degrees outside, and the top down. Definitely inappropriate, but awesome. My knees were in my chest to make sure the people sitting behind me could even fit in the seat. Is there a back seat in that car? Is it mostly just for show? Technically, it's like it's because it's a sports coupe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a narrower back seat to begin with. But then the actual shelf 
back there that you would call like I technically would call the seat is every bit of like uh, maybe 10 inches maybe <laughs> wow it's it's very small that's impressive but i mean it's it's supposed to be a two person vehicle so but yeah no ferraris for me um and maybe a tag in like 8 years 8 9 years 8 and a half years but okay so let's talk about the part that i know you want to talk about <laughs> let's talk about bourbon yes i have been waiting bring it on what do you got do you have you got questions you want me to go get on my soapbox what do you got for me well i mean okay so just some because i had to look some of this stuff up on the particulars of it right i know you've been into this for a little bit but okay so bourbon does have to come from the u.s but does not need to be from kentucky which i for I, I was okay, I thought so it this was. is a point of contention already. Yeah. The people from Kentucky will argue that if it's not from Kentucky, it's not actually bourbon. This is a mistake and a fallacy. <laughs> is so bourbon is a protected American spirit. It is the only protected American spirit. Bourbon can be distilled anywhere within the continental United States. Now, what makes it a bourbon? is it has to have a mash bill of at least 51% corn, yep. and it has to be at least four years old. So what that means is when you're distilling a, a spirit, you know the mash bill is like the, the grain or the honey or the, the rye, the corn, the things that you put in it and then let it age and ferment. So you got to have at least 51% corn for it to be called a bourbon. Right. It has to be at least 40 or four years old, I'm sorry. It has to be aged in a charred oak barrel and, yeah, within the continental United States. But, I mean, the fact that, it, you know, some people think it has to be made in Kentucky, uh, no. I'm sorry. You're full of it. Please go home. Well, I mean, I get it. It's like a point of pride. I get it. But, you're just, yeah, like you yeah. said, it's just not right. Um, I've actually really started to enjoy bourbon. I know mm-hmm. it was kind of... For a couple of years there, I was kind of delving into scotch a little bit. And I still do enjoy some scotch. Uh, so let me stop you there. What do you suppose the difference is between scotch and bourbon? The mash bill. Well, the mash bill is going <laughs> to change from whiskey to bourbon. But between whiskeys, between bourbons, between Irish whiskeys, between scotch. So scotch is made to, in Scotland. It has to be made in Scotland, yes. Also, you'll notice it'll say Scotch whiskey, but spelled without the E in whiskey. That was because that years ago when they included barley in their mash bill, uh, the English like shot the tax on it through the roof um, on whiskey spelled with an E. So the Scots being, you know, the smarmy little shits that they are, <laughs> they decided to spell it without the E in order to circumvent that extra tax. So if you see Scotch whiskey, uh, it's actually from Scotland. It's an import. Wow. So. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mind uh, Scotch. It's not bad. Some of it's not bad. I've had very little experience with it. Uh, Monkey Shoulder was one that I tried that I really Monkey liked. Monkey Shoulder is the gateway drug to Scotch. It's fantastic. It's affordable. It's a single malted Scotch, meaning yeah. the barley that they use to distill it and is in the mash bill. It's malted. That's the only difference with single malts versus a single barrel or a small batch. Well, and and that's not even single malt. That's blended, right? Uh, no, no, no. The, 
No, no, no. Um, so blended just means that the distiller has used multiple batches from multiple different places to achieve the flavor profile that they're looking for. Single barrel literally means exactly that. The bottle that you got came from one barrel. No, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Monkey Shoulder is technically a, a blended whiskey. Yes, it is a blended yeah. scotch whiskey. Now, yes. I had, I don't know if you've ever had it, Glen Murray, which yes. is a single malt. Yes. Um, it's like 30 bucks. It's actually pretty it's decent for the price. It's, yeah, it's not bad at all. Um but I think you I think the status you get with scotch uh is what pushes a lot of the price up. Like Macallan, stuff like that. Uh you right, really start to pay more money for it. Be careful cuz I have a bottle of Macallan 12 as you know that is my special occasion bottle. No, that's fine. I'm just saying that scotch in general because of it has like an that, air of um like elegance or superiority yeah. to it like it's, this it seems like whiskey and yeah, it seems like whiskey and bourbon are like I don't know. It just it's almost like from a social standing they're lower or considered lower. I I agree with that from a social perception. Mm-hmm. However, I would much rather nine times out of ten have a glass of bourbon or have a, a snifter of bourbon then i would go for scotch scotch just has like some peating and it has a lot of smoke to it and i definitely appreciate it like if i'm gonna have a cigar and i'm gonna hang out yeah um but you know for like a daily drinker or a social sipper um bourbon all the way 100 percent. yeah well and i, and I kind of like that it's an american thing you know it is. we've here on the pod we keep we talk a lot about you know obviously america well Pro America, certainly, oh, absolutely, yeah. and I just think that's one of those cool things. It's like you said, it's unique mm-hmm. to continental U.S. So, yes, I mean, why not be about it, especially if you enjoy it? You oh, know? yeah. So, like, what are I, we? You you poured us a drink before we sat down. What is this? That is Legend. It's like Legend, but with a T instead of a D. Oh, and um, it's my actually, first time having it. I don't I don't hate it. Um, it seems like it's a relatively lower proof. From this, I got it. Uh, I got it from Costco. It was like 35 bucks for the fifth. And uh, I actually just picked it because I like the label. Looked different. Good enough um, reason as any. Yeah. I mean, just to try it, the price was right mm-hmm. uh, to pick something new. And, I, you know, I, I've, I've had Makers. I've had Woodford Reserve. Um, I've actually heard pretty terrible things about uh, Basil Hayden's. So I, I, I just skipped that altogether. So... Basil Hayden's, they only get crap because they over-promise and under-deliver with their packaging. They have, like, that little paper poncho that yeah. hugs their bottle. And their, their entry-level stuff that's about $30 or $28 a fifth, depending on what state you live in, um, that's not bad. But they have some stuff that's 60 to $80, the green label Basil Hayden's. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is just, it's not worth the money, in my opinion. This is all subjective. But in my opinion, it's you can get a lot of $30 bottles that are better. Um, and that's why they catch a lot of flack is because it's just not good bourbon. It's just well, that's the thing is bad. like I, I see a lot of people online that recommend it to people as yeah. like an entry level thing, mm. and I'm like I don't know that that's necessarily. If you're true. looking to get into bourbon, if you're listening to this and you're like I've had Jack Daniels before, I'm like you know congratulations, college is over. Um, well, I hey, would it's say it's affordable. I mean, hey college you got a budget for ten dollars less you can get an evan williams bottled and bond not the single barrel 
or small batch. Evan Williams small batch is some of the best whiskey you're going to get for less than $30. It's fantastic. It's an absolute caramel bomb on the palate. You talk about the, the small batch or the single barrel? Because I like the single barrel. The single the, barrel. I'm sorry. Single yeah. barrel. Um, the Evan Williams bottled and bond is like the white label Jack Daniels. It looks just like a Jack bottle, but it's white label. It's bottled and bond. So what that means is... As I say, explain that because okay. I see it like on the labels and it's usually yeah. more expensive and um, it is so bottle you gotta be careful with your whiskeys and your bourbons because they'll use a lot of jargon to try and make their products sound attractive and you got to really know how to digest that so bottled and bond means that the absolute minimum age of the spirits in that bottle is four years because for it to be bonded it has to spend at least four years in a government bonded warehouse um under government supervision so for its aging it- but okay, so you said bourbon was a protected spirit, mm-hmm. and it has to be aged at least four years. Yes, right. Yes, but the other requirement of bottled and bond is it has to be at least a hundred proof or fifty percent alcohol by volume. Uh, so you can have bourbon that is four years old, but it's not bottled and bond. I mean, it might be, it might meet all the criteria to be bottled and bond, but if it was this, if it was aged in a location that wasn't bonded, then it's not bottled and bond. So you can like huh. you can get like Elijah Craig barrel proof. That's like 137 proof and is like sniffing it being a hazardous material <laughs> and it's not bottled and bond because it's not aged in a bonded it, warehouse. You, you brought that up before. Have you tried that yet? I haven't, op- like I haven't anything opened that's, it. Anything that's that high proof and that's dark too. Like I know dark. most whiskey, mm-hmm. like scotch tends to be lighter. Yes. Bourbon and whiskey have that like nice like The mash brown. bill has a lot to do with that, but yeah. Yeah, that like this nice brown color. Well, you get a lot of the darkness from the charred oak barrels. Okay. Yeah. I kind of I kind of want to know how that is. I wouldn't as soon as you, you told me cuz okay. I didn't I didn't realize that 140 proof and up was considered a hazardous yeah, material. Yeah, you can't transport it on a plane. That I, that's why I want to try it. I kind of yeah. was like is this going to kill me? Am yeah, I going to die from um, this? The only one that's that high is the Elijah Craig barrel proof. Uh, that's the A120, I think. Uh, so it was the A batch. There's all, there's three batches, um, uh, like, bottled and shipped out and brought to market every year. You got the A, B, and C batch. Yeah. The A batch, I believe from what I've read, there's a le- the least number of those on the market because of uh, the Rona. Um, no but way. the one means it was bottled in January, and then 20 is obviously so, 2020. But it's got the highest proof of any of the three batch so releases. Let, let me ask you, yeah. obviously with uh, – the rona right yeah we've seen ammunition just sold out everywhere oh, yeah. prices shot the way the hell up oh, you yeah. know new gun buyers and everything That's true yeah. do you think that we've seen the same thing with the bourbon industry because 100 there's anything that well, th- we've done in 2020 it's, it's been drink yes in in beyond copious amounts oh yeah well it's just like the last four or five years um bourbon has become a super super popular thing all the hipsters are getting into it i was gonna say uh, thank hipsters like just like when uh we saw the price increase on uh Pabst blue ribbon because all of a sudden it was cool to drink shitty cheap beer right it's like seriously you guys ruin everything yeah that's basically what it is um you're seeing bottles of weller that msrp for like 24 and 26 dollars that you're finding for sale at least here in michigan for 50 bucks or like the weller antique 107 that's like a 39 or 45 dollar bottle and and when i say a bottle i I mean a 750 milliliter or a fifth 
um, those are going for upwards of 100, like usually 120, yeah. 130. The Weller Foolproof right now is ridiculous. It's a $60 bottle that people are charging two and $300 for. I don't understand it. But that goes into, like, allocation. Like, the yeah. Buffalo Trace Distillery is famous for that. Um, oh, really? The reason why the, like, the 107 and the Foolproof or the Weller 12-year, why those are so expensive is because that's the same mash bill as Pappy Van Winkle. And Pappy Van Winkle is like, that is the bourbon to have. Like the Pappy 25 or the Pappy 15 or the old Rip 12. Like all of those are like the pinnacles of bourbon. And those go for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending if you get like the the Lot B or whatever. Um, But they have the same mash bill. So what you can do is you can actually mix old Rip Van Winkle, which is the 12-year, with Weller Antique 107, and that is supposed to be considered, like, poor man's pappy. No. I I personally... I'm not busting out the home chemistry set on bottles that are supposed to be... No, no, it's not a chemistry set needed. Uh, You you know, it's 50-50 mix, you know, one part Weller, one part Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. Yeah, and... uh, you, know, you just let it sit for a couple of weeks, and then you can enjoy it. I personally really enjoy a lot of the Brown Foreman offerings. So basically all the old Forester lines. I have the yeah. entire Whiskey Row collection with the Statesman bottle, which I believe you have. Yeah, that um, was the uh, we went out last weekend. You were looking for, I think it was one of the Wellers or something. I was looking for Weller, yeah. And I don't think you ended up finding it. Not for the money I was willing to pay. No, I do remember that. You told me when we found it, because they wanted, like, what, 107 or 115 or something for it. No, it and you told that. me that the uh, the retail on that was, like, 60 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's, like, a 100% markup. I'm not going to – I wouldn't pay that either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I picked up the Statesman bottle uh, from Old Forester. Uh, Lexi, for Sweetest Day, actually got me the 90-proof single barrel. Old Forester. Oh, was that the single barrel barrel strength? Or a single barrel? Uh, yeah, picture. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now, actually, because I don't know. It's just single barrel. I think it's the. It might have been. A, I think it's a store pick. Well, so the single barrels are only store picks. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So for those of you listening that aren't familiar with store picks, store picks are bottles picked specifically for a party store, and you can get those a couple of ways. Um, you can just blindly order it. Um, you can have samples from three to four barrels sent to you you can have a master distiller pick one for you and usually those barrels are pulled from the most desirable uh, locations in the rack house or the coolest option is you can actually travel to the distillery and sample from a ton of barrels pick the one you want they pull the barrel they bottle it for you and the bottling is identical to what the normal offerings are but Mm -hmm. you get in Michigan, you get this really cool round silver sticker that says, you know, store pick, and it has the name of your store on there. And store picks, they're just more exclusive. Usually you're going to pay $5 a bottle more. But once you find a store where the, the owner's palate kind of agrees with yours or you like what he picks yeah. out, yeah. Um, usually you'll keep going back. Um, I have a 1792 single barrel store pick that is absolutely amazing. It's like banana fosters in a glass. It's uh, so good. Really? It, it's bananas foster with with molasses and caramel and like just a lot of sweet notes. Because your regular 1792 is a weeded bourbon, the small batch, and it's 
almost what I would consider to be like a fruit cocktail in a glass. Like you get like lots of cherry, lots of banana, like some chocolate See, covered and blueberries. I have, and I have the 1792. I haven't. It's like the back of my cupboard. It's you gotta let it open up. When was the last yeah. time you tried it? Because it's if you're just drinking the top pour, like the neck, yeah. that that's the part that receives the most oxidation. So mm-hmm. it's going to distort and dilute the flavoring. Once you get into the body of it, you, that's yeah, when you're really going to. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, it's honestly, it's been a while since I had it. I didn't you enjoy it the reconsider f- at first it and try sip. it again. Um, I also have uh, a local distillery, Coppercraft. Uh, Coppercraft is good stuff. Some of their bourbon. I really enjoyed that. They do rye whiskey and stuff too, but I really enjoyed the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I picked up the Statesman. I also picked up the Legend um, and Redemption, which Redemption, I think we were talking. It just won at the 2020 yeah. World Bourbon Awards. Yeah, and that, honestly, for 30 bucks, really enjoyable. Yeah. The uh, Elijah Craig Small Batch for yeah. 30 bucks, um, It's not bad. I, I still prefer the Evan Williams Single Barrel. Which again, for that like thirty, thirty-five dollar price point, I think yeah, is it's it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. Um, I, I mean, will I say, have, I have a, my own preferences. Oh, would you like me to ask what your preferences are? It's kind of why, yeah, yeah. If you could do that, it'd be great. Um, what are your preferences? Oh well, thank you for asking. So um, earlier in 2020, uh, this distillery, uh, they're called Sazerac, and they own quite a few different labels. Oh, like actually, what? Oh, like what? Which ones do they own? Do you not know? Oh, was that the wrong question? I'm sorry. Continue. That's rude. <laughs> That's so rude. Anyways, oh. so one of the labels they ended up buying was Early Times. And you oh, see, God. listen, or listen, stop shaking your head. I can see I, the disgust I had in this. Your face. I really didn't see, like, why you put such a shine to that stuff. Because for $23 a liter, yes, folks, you heard me correctly, a liter. For $23, okay, you're getting a bottled and bond high-end whiskey that hits way above its weight class. You're looking at at 60 maybe even some $70 bourbons that are not going to taste as good as this. I mean, maybe. I didn't it, – it didn't personally appeal to me. What, you, what you're saying, it could be true. I It just didn't really hit home for me, honestly. Um, it wasn't bad. Next time you come over, you're trying it again. Okay. Like – it wasn't. Is it because it has a screw cap? Listen, no, I'm a cork snob too. I get it. <laughs> if it doesn't have a cork, I feel like it's beneath me. That's but there, true. There are several yeah. bottles that I have really, really enjoyed that have a screw cap. Evan Williams bottled and bond for seventeen bucks. I was surprised how much I'm I enjoyed that. Gonna have to try that because I bought the Evan Williams seventeen ninety two. Never had it. Um, it was like twenty bucks. It was yeah. okay. It's okay. It is. It it's was. Good. You just said it. You didn't have it. No, I, from the opinions I've heard online, I've heard it's a good entryway bourbon. Oh, it was, oh, yeah, it was okay, and maybe that's because it did just need to sit a little bit longer. Yeah. Because as I got further into the bottle, across probably two weeks, I did start to enjoy it more. It'll open up a bit. Yes, yeah. um, I did just pick up a bottle of the Old Forester eighty six proof, which eighty six proof is good. I yeah, enjoy it for twenty two bucks. I think that's a pretty good. Next time you go to the store, starter bourbon. Oh no, it absolutely is. I have a bottle of it. I love it. Next time you go to the store, do yourself that favor. Spend the two dollars more mm-hmm. and get the hundred proof. Maybe, maybe since you're going to be coming over for Christmas Eve, you could just bring that with you for me. I can do that. I could probably make that happen. Unless you want the hundred proof rye. The hundred proof rye is a hitter. For twenty four dollars, it's as far as rise go, it's right up there with like. Uh, I mean, the at baby your discretion. Says, if you uh, know Rittenhouse, I've never had Rittenhouse either. 
I have Rittenhouse. That's another bottled and bond rye, 100 proof. I mean, I'll defer to your judgment. I mean, and that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff out there, and there's a lot to learn. I've, I did recently get into some videos, and I think like Bourbon Junkies on YouTube. I know oh, you turned me on to Dan that. Dan and Sean are masters of their craft. <laughs> um, I don't always agree with all their picks, but they know a ton about bourbon. Yeah. Um, I tend to really like Dan's palate. He he really likes some some interesting stuff. He's a little bit of a High West fanboy, and I've never had High West. So, Me neither. So. I looked at it uh, yesterday when I went. I actually went to the grocery store and I looked because I was watching one of the uh, best damn EDC videos on YouTube, yeah. and he was drinking the High West campfire or something it's like it's it's blend of, campfire is decent it was the um, blend of the bourbon the whiskey and the scotch or something he said yeah. it was really good i've never had the campfire it has a lot of oak a lot um is which is bad? hence the name no it's just if something that you like hmm. uh if i were gonna buy a bottle today i'd probably go looking for the double rye um that's just something that i would like to try uh i'm trying to think what else he has recommended um i know the Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch. Oh, that's a sexy lady. That is, yeah, I have a bottle. I have only ever seen one, and I bought it. How much was that? A lot. <laughs> no, what's a, what's a lot? Like $80. That's not that bad, honestly. No, for the small batch, I mean, I went and saw the, uh, I, I was at um, the Village Market, and they had the, I think it's called High Rye or something like that. That was $200. Dude, no. No, yeah. I'm not ready for that. And you shouldn't. Like, if we take a trip to Ohio, um, you can find a lot of this stuff for cheaper. But Michigan, it's all allocated. It's super hard we to find. We could do it. After the holiday, let's just do it. We'll do it on a weeknight. We can go indoor dining, too, while we're there. It'll be I a real thrill. I'd be fine with that. I actually also picked up a store pick single barrel Eagle Rare two days ago. Where? The place that we went last weekend? No. Oh. Uh, the Grapevine, or not the Grapevine, uh, the, the Wine Garden in Sterling Heights. Oh, they're they second a secondary location. Yep. Yeah. That's a good place. I like mm-hmm. I like going there, their other location. Um, I picked up the Henry McKenna 10-year, which I was pretty hard to find right now, which is, again, it it's just be. a perfect example of word of mouth because that was like a That was a $30, $30. bourbon before it won the, the World Bourbon Award uh, yeah. for 2019. And I mean, they do have a sour mash offering that's like uh, 12, 13 bucks a fifth on the high end, um, which is good for cocktails. It's a good mm-hmm. mixer. Um, I would put it on par with like regular unleaded Jack Daniels, but. What, Henry McKenna? The regular Henry McKenna. Oh, that brown the rye. What's that? Is it rye or sour mash? It's the, sour mash. Sour mash, the, the brown label with yeah. the screw cap. And all sour mashes is you're essentially recycling the mash from a prior distilling to try and, like, you know, save get money. some of that flavor. Yeah, yeah. save money. It's a that's a It's lower usually cost. cheaper. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, Jack Daniels has a sour mash. Sour mash is just a different way of distilling. It's not anything crazy. But it's also, you know, cheap. So. Well... I mean, but bourbon as a whole—that's a—it's a gentleman's drink. It's not for children. It's a man's game. Not everybody can play. Oh God, damn it! <laughs> Certain not everybody can play. Listen, we'll see. And that's a funny thing is because I feel like this time last year when we had you know uh, a couple buddies over for Christmas Eve, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, Brandon tried telling us, "Oh well, 
you know, lots of people like bourbon because it's sweeter, you know, because they can't they can't deal with real liquor. A lot of times bourbon is sweeter. You know, you get some fruitier notes. You get a lot of molasses or caramel. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're saying that bourbon gets you away from that alcohol burn or you don't get like that ethanol on the nose. Well, I'm sorry. You're just full of shit. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's still it's still better than drinking rum. What sugar liquor? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not a child. When I became, when I turned like 21, I stopped being a child and I became a man. And as such, I put away childish things like rum. Actually, I believe the last time I actually had rum was my 21st birthday, and I got yeah. like stupid sick on it, and I never I, went back. Rum is super sweet. No, I, that's a lie. The last time I had rum, I didn't think I was having rum. I thought it was a Jack and Coke. It was at our friend's wedding. I thought it was a Jack and Coke, started drinking it, realized that it wasn't, was way too drunk to care, and was really sick. It was a, yeah. I fell asleep that night on my bathroom floor. I think we both got alcohol poisoning that night. I know, I didn't feel like a normal human being until like 8 p.m. the next day. Jesus. This is pretty epic. Just well, have you got, uh, drink you all got... that cheap booze with Ugh. that Coke. <laughs> right. Well, then you got your vodka drinkers who they're like, you know, vodka is a flavorless spirit. You just mix it with whatever it is you really want to drink yeah. and you get hammered. Well, um, there are some people that are the school of thought that before, if you really want to like cleanse your palate before you start drinking bourbon, mm-hmm. you know, a shot of 190 proof vodka will oh. like clear everything out. It'll yeah. also murder your taste buds, but um, it will definitely cleanse that palate. That's you're not just making that up. That's an actual thing. I mean, there's uh, so if any of you guys watch the Whiskey Vault, um, there is there's a guy named Rex um, who has talked about it a couple times. You know, you do a shot of 190 proof vodka, it just kind of clears everything out so that you got a, a open slate to start. Yeah, anything that's 190 proof sounds like you could use it to strip paint. I'm not interested. Well, the 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 Whiskey Vault uh, they do like weekly reviews, like every okay. other day. It seems like they're reviewing something else. They actually did a review of that mellow corn, the, the stuff that you hate. I didn't um, try it. I just it it was super light. It was like pissing a bottle. It's because it's ninety. The mash bill is ninety percent corn. No, I don't know. Man. It's actually very very good. It's only fifteen bucks a fifth, and I know it's got like that super eighties, like that Days of Thunder race car you label like, on back it. Back that shit up another twenty years. Like that looked like a borderline Philip Morris cigarette ad for whiskey. That was not yeah, a but good it's label. So good. <laughs> If you wanted something that looked prettier but was kind of along the same lines, um, Balcones Baby Blue is it's a high corn mash bill, but it's made with blue corn. Oh wow! And Balcones so, is in Texas. Now, is the color actually blue? No, 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 okay. no. It's a it's like a brown. It's a browner. Yeah. Whereas, like I know the mellow corn looks almost yellow. Yeah. yeah. It's I like think a that's kind of rod color. I think that's kind of like the fun part, right? Is you can find the good stuff at a budget price. Yes. That's there are a like lot of part. offerings right now that are like sub forty dollars. You can get good bourbon for less than thirty bucks. Well, and that's why I used but... to feel kind of bad about it, right? I used to feel like, like, well, I'm not really getting good quality booze. But then when you start digging into it, it's like, well, it actually is pretty decent quality. It's just at a lower price point, and a lot of the time, I I do believe you're paying that uh, brand tax just that's because true. it's the name. I mean, you can spend twenty seven bucks on some old granddad bottled and bond, and Old Granddad is actually part of the Pappy Van Winkle tree, believe it or not. I think we talked about this Monday. We were watching Monday Night Football, yes. and you brought that up. So you've got your regular Old Granddad, which is like, 
I mean, that would be bathwater in terms of whiskey for me. Oh, regular old, old granddad. Regular I've, old granddad. I've heard it's actually good uh, as a mixer. It as far as, as mixers mixer. go, it's okay. The the bottled and bond stuff is slightly better, but the old granddad one fourteen is fantastic. It has a really unique bottle shape and a fat cork on it, but it's pretty good. It's got a lot of cinnamon, some allspice. It's like a really good holiday bourbon. Well, then maybe I'll try and find some of that then. It's like 30 bucks, and you can find it almost everywhere. Well, yeah, I'll look into that. Because, well, I mean, because whatever, I don't know why. I Before I really started looking at a lot of this stuff, I looked at, like, old granddad, and he used to tie it in the same conversation with, like, mad dog 2020 like no 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 <laughs> like no, like no, real it's not real. really that bad it's not like lacquer thinner or anything oh god yeah um, no i just if you're looking for like cheap dog piss whiskey I, uh, why would you I be would looking recommend for that? either old crow or black velvet why would you be looking for that you're trying to hurt somebody's feelings yeah yeah, yeah maybe 100 percent like think- if we, I don't personally, I have a decanter at the house, but I don't really use it. If I was going to keep one at the bar and I wanted like my whiskey mooch friends to go towards like the prettiest bottle in the room, <laughs> I would get like a really nice decanter, but then fill it with like a 10 or a $15 bottle and just tell them that their palate wasn't used to it and they didn't know what they were missing um, <laughs> and like quietly redirect them from the top shelf stuff like the E.H. Taylor well, or the okay, Weller. And this, is, or... and this is something that like we talked about with uh, with our buddy Ian and like you have those those like those the moochie friends. Yeah, I was I was going to say. Uh, like whiskey mooches, but it's just whiskey mooches are an actual thing. The problem is when you get multiple whiskey mooches in the same group of friends, it creates a conflict because you can't mooch from another mooch. (laughs) Wait, so then everybody thrive in an environment full of like, um, like very equipped friends. Yeah. So you only have really one in a group, maybe two, but then Uh, if you have like a party, like a gathering of it, it's, you start the, it becomes the gather- a contest of who can mooch harder. Yeah, and which, that's not and that's not good for whoever's hosting because then your good booze gets sucked down by the heathens. Yeah, who don't no. know what they're actually we, playing with. We went we went on a golf trip like that before. It was not a good experience. Questionable decisions were made on that trip, and actually, that was my second run in with the black velvet, and that was what yeah. reaffirmed for me that I did not like it. Yeah, uh, I feel like a lot of that stuff, like the brands that like our parents grew up drinking, really not that good. Like uh, Canadian Mist or Black okay, Velvet. Canadian Mist is not bad. Canadian Mist is still straight whiskey, which means it has at least a two-year-old age statement. Now, what you get into trouble with is like, and it's not even with trouble because it. So Fireball. Oh, I no. know you hate Fireball. I, hate Fireball. I know you hate it, but it serves a higher purpose. Mixers. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. So. Fireball is six-month-old whiskey. It's super young whiskey. Gross. They throw a buttload of cinnamon in it, yeah. and they sell it for $15 a fifth. Who do you suppose owns Fireball? Uh, an asshole. I don't know. I have no idea. Buffalo Trace. Really? Buffalo Trace is almost exclusively financed by the sale of Fireball. Because you have every party kid, every uh, bro, that you know, Fireball is that cool, cheap cinnamon whiskey that it's easy to down, but it'll get you wasted. You know, everybody uh, loves Fireball. Nope, I hate Fireball with a okay, burning everybody passion. Everybody but Austin loves Fireball. Yeah. Um, I have a unique story behind my first run in with Fireball. 
but we'll save that for another day. Yeah. Um, you don't want to crawl through that one again, eh? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I really don't. But it serves a purpose. Now, there's those shit whiskeys. Like, I'm sorry, if Rich and Rare never appeared on this planet again, <laughs> I would not shed a single tear. I'd probably not even notice. Wasn't that, didn't Dad have a bottle of that that had like the sticker on it that was dated from like. It was left over from their wedding. Yeah, from like 82. Right. But whiskey's not like wine. It Once doesn't. it's bottled, it stops like aging it stops improving mm-hmm. it doesn't get any better <laughs> wine you can buy wine and if you hold on to it for 30 years that'll probably be some tasty juice but whiskey no it's going to be the same like pond water that you bottled at the rich and rare distillery in 1978 or whenever the hell it was that it was bottled um what's well, good to it know just, yeah it just doesn't improve okay um so let me leave you on this if you had one bottle that Let's just say for like your daily drinker, like you come home from work, you're going to have a, you know, a dram. What, uh, considering all things, flavor, affordability. Early times bottled and bond is a daily drinker. Because to me, daily drinker has to be affordable, accessible, and not horrible on the palate. Is that even for you personally? That's your choice? That's my choice. Okay. Now, if you, are you asking for me to recommend one for you? I mean, yeah. Or, or people listening, like what would be a people recommendation? Listening. Let's say something... Under forty bucks, it's gonna be approachable. Seventeen ninety two small patch. To your okay. average drinker, it's gonna be nice on the palate. It's gonna be kind of sweet. It's a wheat bourbon, so the burn is gonna be minimal, but it has really nice legs. Um, it kind of coats your mouth after See, you drink. And I'd still go back to that Evan Williams single barrel. Just all that caramel, you can't. It's eh. hard not to enjoy it. Evan Williams single barrel would be a close second for under forty dollars for a yeah. daily drinker. Or yeah. this Legent, honestly, discovering this on accident it was, okay. was, you know, yeah. uh, it's I'm got. Not, I'm not going to hate on it. It's not my favorite, but I'd have to try it again to really form an opinion. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know I got the website up just because I don't remember the guy's names, but uh, a master distiller from Kentucky, Fred No, and then uh, Shinji Fukuyo. I'm probably butchering that name somehow. Uh, are the two the two I guess gentlemen that got together to really create this and it's uh it's finished in wine and sherry casks so it just gives it a little different flavor and that's i appreciate that that extra complexity in your flavor Mm -hmm. i appreciate that for a beginner whiskey drinker or a beginner bourbon drinker somebody who's looking to dip their toe i tend to tell people to stay away from cask finishes because it's going to confuse your palate you want to find something I don't want to say plain, but See, you want to find something less complex so that your palate, because your brain is only so complex, you can only pick apart two, three, maybe four flavors at a time. Mm-hmm. So I would think like that Evan Williams, yeah. that would be a little bit easier. And once you've been doing it for like six months to a year and your palate begins to refine and you can pick stuff out a little easier on the nose, on the tongue, then move over to something that has like a cask finish. Not saying that Legent isn't good see that's a way better answer than what i had i was just gonna recommend something that didn't burn like a motherfucker bridget hey you want to try bourbon here you're not gonna hate yourself after you drink this lower proof bourbons aren't gonna burn as much you want to stick around like that's what the one of the criticisms that woodford has but it's also the reason that beginning bourbon enthusiasts like flock to it everything everything thing is at 90.4 proof i don't know what it is with that particular proof but i i like they're double oaked i yeah. think is really good i think it's very interesting on the tongue i think it's really nice on the nose i really enjoy woodford um 
if they were to bam that up a notch, just kick it up to like a hundred proof, I think it would be so much better. I think it would be so much better. But Maybe everything's at ninety point four. They haven't done like a barrel proof or anything. Even their barrel proofs are at yeah. Yep. Uh, their Kentucky Derby limited offerings, 90.4. Everything they offer is at 45.2% ABV. I did not know that. Yep. But everything I mean, they have. I think if people are looking for, I mean, that's under 40 bucks. Their basic Woodford is like 38. Yeah. Well, you can get their, their wheat, their rye, or their basic bourbon, and they're all about 37.99. Um, the double oak is going to be 55 to 60. Sometimes you can even find store picks for right around 60 bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. No, no, not at all. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's incredible value in Burbank. I think that, you know, obviously if you're a beginner, you don't really need to be looking at store picks or anything. It's just. Yeah, you, you might know, accidentally buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if you've only ever had Jack Daniels and you think bourbon's something you want to try, Fred Minnick, who actually wrote the Bourbon Bible, uh, two years in a row, he has picked the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond 100 Proof to be his best value bourbon, your best bang for the buck. I think it's sixteen ninety nine or seventeen ninety nine for a fifth. I like it. Obviously I'll have to try that because I haven't had it. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, it's I think it's fantastic. And Evan Williams is a brand that a lot of times I've overlooked because it's not sexy. Like it's yeah. just your Well it's, it's there. just it's been around a while. It's mm-hmm. yeah it's not one of those new uh it's not trendy. Like uh boutique brands yeah. of, of bourbon and whiskey. Mm-hmm. But Hey man, thanks. This has been really cool. Honestly, we're uh, <laughs> uh, an hour and forty minutes, so well, definitely that's probably the longest pod we've done. Yeah, no, definitely is uh, by a lot, by almost an hour, in fact. So uh, at that, I'm just gonna we're gonna wrap. You know, this is it for this week. I'm gonna take some time off for the holidays and hit you guys back uh, close to the new year. I hope everybody listening. As a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. And, uh, Happy New Year. Hope uh, you and your families have a safe one. Yeah, everybody. Uh, make good choices. I hope Santa brings you ammo. And if not, at least a good knife. Uh, God willing. God willing. Until next time, everybody, stay safe. Merry Christmas. And as always, be prepared.